Welcome. You're listening to a recording provided for the use of the blind and print impaired. Materials or items read on Airs LA are the copyright property of the original authors and publishers. No unauthorized use or duplication is permitted. Hello, and welcome to this series of readings from Discover Magazine, a presentation of Airs LA. Today's article is from the Vital Signs series, and it was written by Douglas G. Adler. It appears in the November-December issue of the magazine. A penny for your thoughts. This 20-year-old college student didn't even want to come to the hospital. But when his friends convinced him to go to the emergency room, his erratic behavior was only the first sign that something was amiss. I walked briskly into the emergency department to see a new consult, wolfing down a protein bar on the way. When I got there, I saw the patient in question calmly sitting up on a stretcher, surrounded by a group of trendy-looking young adults. The patient, Chad, was a 20-year-old man who had been brought to our hospital by some of his college classmates. Chad was dressed casually, in jeans and a t-shirt, and he obviously needed a shave and a shower. His hair stuck out at odd angles, clearly not having been combed for some time he presented a stark contrast to his well-dressed and groomed friends. Chad himself did not have what physicians call a chief complaint or a specific reason for coming to the doctor. Rather, his friends convinced him to come with them to the ED because they were worried about his recent odd behavior. Chad, however, insisted to me that he felt fine. One concerned-looking young man who said he was Chad's roommate, told me about Chad's sudden behavioral changes. He used to be a straight-A student, but now he mostly skips class. His roommate described how Chad had started sitting still for long stretches of time without moving, while at other times he appeared to have boundless energy, staying up all night reading voraciously or listening to music, and then going out for a long run as soon as the sun came up. Meanwhile, a tearful young woman in the group said that, until just a few weeks ago, she had been Chad's girlfriend. He and I used to be so close, almost inseparable, she said. But a few weeks ago, he started to become very irritable when I was around him, as if everything I said bothered him. She described how Chad abruptly became distant and appeared to lose all interest in dating her or anyone else for that matter. We ended up breaking up because of it. I was devastated, she said. The emergency physician had already ordered some routine blood work by the time I arrived on the scene. Chad wanted to leave as soon as possible, but I convinced him to stay until his test came back. His physical exam was unremarkable. He looked like a healthy young man. What's more, His blood work showed that he was not under the influence of any drugs or alcohol. Indeed, most of his lab results were entirely normal, except for his liver function tests, or LFTs, which were all slightly elevated. The ability to accurately analyze LFTs is a skill that most physicians acquire slowly over years of practice. There are many different patterns of injury that this handful of blood test results can indicate. Is the source of the abnormal blood test the liver, the gallbladder, 
which sits underneath the liver, or the bile ducts. The pattern of LFTs can tell you all of these things. The tests themselves measure whether certain types of liver cells are breaking open and leaking their contents into the bloodstream, as well as the extent that the liver is failing to metabolize toxins in the body. These markers can inform physicians whether the liver is inflamed, infected, harboring a tumor, or on the edge of organ failure. LFTs can also often distinguish between a healthy liver and a diseased one in a patient with cirrhosis, or if someone is suffering from inadequate blood flow, among other maladies. Strangely, Chad's LFTs did not fit any of the typical patterns we see in most patients with liver disease. He was not jaundiced, didn't appear to have an infection, and didn't show obvious signs of cirrhosis. Something stirred in my memory when I saw his results, but I couldn't quite put my finger on it. After getting the blood test results back, the ED physician told me he was going to let Chad be discharged. He could not think of a reason to keep him in the hospital. People are allowed to be strange, he told me. I went back into Chad's room to meet with him again. He was bent over and putting his shoes on, but as I started to speak, he looked up. I caught a view of his eyes that I had not previously, since he had been sitting up and looking towards the floor. That's when I noticed Chad had a ring of dark, golden-brown coloring around the corneas in both eyes. Instantly, it hit me. Chad had Wilson's disease. Wilson's disease is a rare, inherited disorder that causes excess copper to build up in the vital organs. Copper plays an important role in the function of many enzymes throughout the body, fostering the development of healthy nerves, bones, collagen, and the skin pigment melanin. Copper also regulates the enzymes that oversee iron transport within the bloodstream, as well as those that create healthy connective tissues. Many foods naturally contain copper. Normally, our bodies closely control the amount in blood and organs by using specialized proteins and enzymes to excrete excess copper into our bile, where it can be passed into the bowels and removed. Patients with Wilson's disease, however, have an abnormal gene that results in poor copper excretion. As a result, they accumulate copper in their bodies until levels eventually reach concentrations that are toxic. This accumulation builds up within the eyes, where copper deposits, like those Chad clearly had, known as Kaiser-Fleischer rings, can be found. Although too much copper in the body can impact many organs, the two most commonly affected are the liver and the brain. Chad's abnormal LFTs and odd behavior suddenly all made perfect sense. Metals or other substances that build up in the body often lead to abnormal behaviors such as mood swings, variable energy levels, or confusion. Copper is no exception. In medical school, I often heard that if a young person develops new psychiatric issues out of the blue, copper overload may be responsible. That's because Wilson's disease often manifests in this age group. These so-called neuropsychiatric symptoms 
can even emerge before any signs of liver failure. Interestingly, the mechanisms by which excess copper causes these problems remains unknown. Once we had a diagnosis, things started to move quickly. I admitted Chad to the hospital for tests to further confirm the diagnosis and evaluate the severity of his disease. Further blood tests confirmed that he did, in fact, have Wilson's disease. Meanwhile, a formal eye exam by an ophthalmologist proved that he had copper deposits in his eyes. A liver biopsy also showed significant accumulation of copper in that organ as well. Wilson's disease is quite rare, estimated to occur in 1 in 30,000 to 40,000 individuals. Some patients with Wilson's disease present with full-blown liver failure and require a transplant. If untreated, the disease is often fatal. With appropriate diagnosis and treatment, however, life expectancy is normal. Fortunately, Chad's case had not progressed that far. We had a dietitian educate him on how to avoid copper-rich foods, including nuts, certain meats, and shellfish, among others. Chad was also started on a drug to actively remove copper from his body. During a follow-up visit a month later, blood tests showed that Chad's copper levels had started to normalize. Chad was clearly embarrassed about how unusually he'd been acting. He said that it was difficult to think about all that he had said and done in the weeks leading up to his diagnosis. His then-former, and now current, girlfriend accompanied him and told me that he was behaving more like his old self. She was keeping a close eye on him to make sure that he was compliant with his new diet and medication regimen. After everything, he had taken a semester off from school to recover. Chad would need to watch his diet and would likely stay on copper-lowering medications for life. Still, I was glad we were able to make the correct diagnosis before things got to the point where he needed an emergency liver transplant. And Chad was grateful to start feeling like himself again. Douglas G. Adler is a gastroenterologist and director of the Center for Advanced Therapeutic Endoscopy in Denver. The cases described in Vital Signs are real, but names and certain details have been changed. My name is Brian Lemon. Thank you for listening, and stay curious.